coming to you live from the 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 home of chaos meatloaf and 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 i resident caps fan and uh she she she's holding court right now so uh please excuse that but you know how it is being a parent grandparent guardian you know how it is welcome to another edition of the sideline junkies dc sports rundown you got the midnight ride i don't like that color i got to change that color on that banner that's too much like a dallas color or something but you got the midnight rider sitting there with myself the big guy kg let me change this color real quick before we get this started because this is going to be quick and we're going to get it going and let me yeah let's change it i don't even really like that but uh, we'll, we'll deal with it that's better than that daggone blue but um first and foremost you know let's let's, let's get into the meat and potatoes of it washington loses badly yet again second week in a row um seems like no fight was put up they lose 24 to 8 to the philadelphia eagles um stat line let's start with washington carson wentz 25 of 43 211 yards no touchdowns no picks um antonio gibson 12 carries 38 yards in the td uh curtis samuel three carries 13 yards jd mckissick three for eight scary terry had his coming out party this season for the first time this season six catches 102 yards in a losing effort uh curtis samuel seven for 48 and Dotson shut down two for 10 mill uh one for 12 logan thomas two for five like where's the spreading around of the ball man it's it's not getting spread at all uh we came up with two sacks from jamin davis obata gave us a sack um jamin davis is number seven in the league in sacks um which Great. i guess is silver lining well I think the problem is the sacks aren't really they're, – they're, they're empty calorie sacks. So, like, one of the sacks on Sunday, it was um, Jalen on a rollout, slides down, Jamin touches him down. It's like a one-yard sack. And then the other one was, like, maybe because the ball was a couple feet behind the line of scrimmage, Jamin got credit for that sack. So – I think his best sack was the one that got taken off the board opening week against the Jaguars where he came scraping around and hit the quarterback. And then his second best was the one against Detroit. Only one of those counted, and that was the one against Detroit. So that's why we're here at three. But I think we talked about this in the pregame. Like, I told you, you got to gotta put them in simple situations. It's got to be attack, cover. Attack or cover. Because I watched him in a couple situations where even the back was coming out. He was coming up so aggressive on the on the back, out of the backfield, that he was almost putting himself out of position. So once the back made a move to the out or to the left, I mean, whichever way he did it, Jamie was dead to rights. So you got to watch. He's got to watch some of that stuff on how he's attacking the back as he's coming out of, as, as they're coming out of the backfield. And you know what? I've watched him, and we're going to start with the defense. I've watched him. I've watched the defense. I've seen him play a lot better position-wise. I've seen him play this season. They, he, Oh, he shouldn't have got called out and this, that, and the third. Yeah, call him out because he seems to be the type to respond to that. And he respond, he's responding very, very well to constructive criticism. He's he's flashed more in plays – Um. Whether he's the first guy, the second guy, 
he's been around the football a lot more um, in the last two weeks, last three weeks than he ever was last year. And so maybe this is his version of his rookie season. And, you know, I mean, if at the end of the year, I mean, he's got three now. Who's to say he can't get seven or eight and, you know, end up with double-digit sacks? Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where the, if the, the breaks happen for him, he's good to go. Now, we coming into week four, and we know after week four, we get in week five, not looking past Dallas, and we'll talk about Dallas in a minute, not looking past, but, you know, Chase Young comes back. Brian Robinson comes back. Um, Hold on, before we go there, let's go back and stuff because we're still talking about this defense. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of problems on this defense. Well, I'm not gonna say a lot of problems, but there's some issues on this defense. So, and, and the reason I want to go back is because Wild Turkey or Wild Irish Rose, uh, whatever number 37's name is, Wild Goose, he was he was in coverage and he looked so lost on on those two occasions that he got passing interference penalties. I thought the first one should have been a holding instead of a passing interference because the ball wasn't in the air. But still, he just – it was like he panicked the second the guy got to step on him and he went to grab. He mm-hmm. didn't cover. He didn't He didn't use any of his technique in that whole situation. And then St. Juice looked good for the most part besides that one slant late. But I think that was more of a fatigue issue than, than a coverage issue. And then Kendall Fuller. Mm. I call him Hot 29. Like, it's an audible. We don't care what you're running. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm letting you know right now, it's hot 29. Whatever 29 garden, that's where I'm going at. <laughs> it used, I used to call him the Josh Wilson. Josh, ooh, that's a name from the past. But now it's it's the hot 29. It used to be hot 26. Now it's hot 29. L- let, me, let me say this. Speaking of the defense, and you bring up Kendall Fuller. Let me pull my chair up for this one because I need to say this. Kendall Fuller, St. Juice, and it's not just IDBs. It's any DBs. This is what I'm tired of. You look up at the scoreboard, you're down by over 20 points, and you're sitting there with an incomplete pass. You want to do all your dances and all that. Dog, look at the scoreboard. You're down. Like, I I, 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 I expect you to get some sort of penalty of, uh, you know, you just maul the receiver or something. All that? What are you doing that for? And they go when when they got the safety, and I want to say it was Deron Payne that got it. Yep. And he got up and he did his little dance and everything. Dog, we're still down. What were we down at that time? 24 to 2? Yep, it's 24 to 2. Like so, some of this might be us just being old men yelling at a cloud, like the old Simpson clip. But n- no, nah. I get what you're saying. Cause no, 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 because I actually posted um actually it was last week, I think. Like somebody scored a touchdown and they did the shush thing. I'm like, dog, we still down 10. Like, mm-hmm. who are you shushing? Like, you can't, like, that should, I feel like that should be a penalty. Exactly. Like, like, the celebration police should come out and, like, if you do something stupid when you're losing, then yeah. But again, that's two old men telling the kids to get off their grass. That's you know not even that. That, 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 that is fundamentals. If you're losing, if, now granted, what did MJ say? It's easy to talk trash when you're up. Right. But now when the game is even and you talk right. trash, it's totally different. Now you got to mean something. And, you know, <laughs> it, it seems like when Washington does that, and I'm just talking about Washington, but I, I'll say this. When any when anybody does that, you're celebrating, uh, you know, 
little small minuscule plays you should have been making in the first or the or the uh the, the second quarter and you do that it's like you're saying oh when i get back up i'm gonna kick your ass yeah but you're never gonna get back up i'm not gonna let you up i just so I, you just saying that brings up discipline issue one of my favorite people in the world when it comes to this situation it's the dirty 30 it's the lauren landry Ron Landry can tackle you after a 12-yard game, get up, and it's the flex. He flexes and he's showing his muscles. He, You gained 40 yards, but he hits you clean. He flexes again. I'm like, dog, he gained 40 yards. What, what, what are we flexing for? Mm-hmm. I get that. I get that. And, you know, it's crazy because I used to always say that about him too. And I, I love oh. Ron Landry. I always said, you know, we haven't had a safety tandem since Area 51. That was the last great safety tandem. And before that, to be honest, and this most people wouldn't agree with this, but I think um um Brad Edwards and Danny Copeland was like the greatest safety combo that we had during the Super Bowl runs because they communicated so well. You didn't you rarely saw them get beat. Hold on, now I gotta think. So 87 would be A. Walton and um Todd um, Bowles. Yeah. 82 Will be Mark Murphy and Ken Kofi. So you know yeah. what? I can't give you that one. And the only reason I can't give you that one is a little biased because Ken Coffee was my dude. So <laughs> I'll go with Ken Coffee and Mark Murphy on that. See, so. I, I was a, Danny Copeland was my guy, man. Danny Copeland, uh, and we had the a rarity, we had a white safety, and he was just he was he was smart, and I fell in love with safety play. Because of Ronnie Lott, but I watched him. I said, "Man, I got a great safety here. Like all we got to do is put another guy behind him. So when he gets old, you know, and it's time for him to go, we got somebody that's going to learn from him." Did we do that though? You well, know? I mean, before we get too far down memory lane, the 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 the, the Brad Edwards Copeland thing was one of the unique things about that defense that year because I think Charles Mann, Andre Collins, Alvoy Mays. Daryl Green were the only players that were drafted by that team on that roster. Fred Stokes, Eric Williams, Tim Johnson, free agents. Um, Don't forget about Bobby Johnson. Bobby Johnson was a rookie. He 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 would have been drafted. So linebackers was Kurt Gouveia, drafted. Mm -hmm. Um, Matt Millen, signed. Andre Collins, drafted. Uh, Wilbur Marshall, signed. Mm -hmm. Safeties. We already talked about Copeland and Edwards, Alvoy Mays, Martin Mayhew, and Daryl Green. Daryl mm-hmm. Green's the only other person they drafted. So it's like five or six guys on that team that got drafted. Now let's go back and bring it back to where we are now. So now we're at a point where we gave up 24 nothing in the first half against Philly, 22 nothing first half against Detroit. Mm-hmm. So that's 46-0 in the first half of a ball game. Um, I don't know. Even Joe Gibbs kicked over a Gatorade table and said Jimmy Crickets. <laughs> At what point does um does Ron cuss the team out? Like this, these starts can't happen. Like I don't know what did. Actually, that's what I wanted to tell you today. That's what I heard. So this lady said Washington has this crazy stat, and she was like, they were like, what's the stat? She called into Sirius XM. She said it's eighty-seven, and they were like, what's eighty-seven? She was like, that's the sleep number for the Washington Redskins on this season so far. 
they've just slept their way through the first half all year long. So, yeah, it's it's crazy, but it's sad because they have. But it's been this way since he's been here. Like, outside of one, with the 14 points in the first half, we don't get off to the starts. And that's, you know, I thought we fixed that. I thought we fixed that. That 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 start and Ron went off in the, in the post game press conference. He went off. He went off on Carson Wentz. He went off on uh, something that uh, Jimmy G had 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 reported. He went off on that. Right, right, right. I know Ron has that fire. And BJ said something last season. He said, you know, I wonder if you know Ron going through the cancer diagnosis and fighting cancer. He says, I wonder if that took a little something out of him, not mentally, but just that fire. Because, you know, you're tired fighting cancer. You're tired. And wonder if it took something out of him. But here's my thing. If you don't go in now, I'm not saying go in and pull a a, 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 a Mike Singletary and drop your pants in the middle of the floor. Right. You know, I mean, go in there and pull a, 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 hell, at this point, pull a Mike Singletary and drop your pants in the middle of the floor. Pull a, pull a Mike Holmgren and fire yourself at halftime. But when it comes to adjustments, you have if we can see at home what teams are doing against us that are successful in the first quarter and you're not making adjustments in game, you can see the same thing we're saying and you're not making adjustments. There's a problem. And you bring up Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs would throw a, 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 a playbook in a, in a trash at halftime and say, no, nah, we're going with this. He did it in, in 91 against the, the Giants. Couldn't get anything done. So he started running counter trade, gut seal. And it opened up what he wanted to do with that sprint ball. So, so I I agree and I disagree on some of this only because I think at certain times um, a coach can make an adjustment, but if you don't execute it, it don't matter. So, so I think um, can't remember if it was JP Finn. No, that's my man Pete Money. Pete Medhurst said um, like on three or four of the sacks that Wentz took. It was six seconds in the pocket. Um, and then the worst thing for offensive linemen is like when you think your guy is somewhere else and then you realize he's right there beside you, that makes you look bad. So like Charles Leno, one of those Brandon Graham sacks, like he had him sealed up like 11 yards, 10 and 11 yards behind the line. But the way Carson Wentz escaped the pocket, he escapes back and he goes back into the sack. Like literally, it was just he was he gave away a couple sacks that last that that, that Sunday, mm-hmm. and it's, it's sad. I mean, it's not sad, but it's bad for the offensive linemen because they get the brunt of the fans. They don't get the the excuse or the benefit of the doubt because the quarterback didn't escape the pocket the right way. And I think that's the one thing, kind of as a preview for for this week coming up. Like Daniel Jones did a good job Monday night getting out of the pocket going forward and not going side to side. So. That's something that hopefully Carson saw, and he'll take take away. You, you know, you talk about this Philly team. Jalen Hurts, 22 or 35, 340 yards, three touchdowns. Miles Sanders didn't have the type of day that you said, but he still had 15 carries, 46 yards. Well, um, well, I mean, but you don't have to if um, Devontae Smith has what? Um, eight catches, 169. One, but I think he had 140 in, like, the first quarter, I mean, the first half. Mm-hmm. Like that, like yeah. AJ Brown, uh, five catches, eighty-five yards. Both uh, him and Smith had a touchdown. Pascal, three catches, eighteen yards. Dallas Goddard, three catches, twenty-six yards. Um, defensively, 
TJ Edwards a sack. Brandon Graham, two and a half sacks. Uh, Reddick, a sack and a half. Hargrave, a sack. Sweat, a sack and a half. Cox, a sack and a half. Like TJ Edwards. Ugh. Remember that name. He is the typical 40, I mean, I'm sorry, not the 49, the typical Eagles linebacker. Guy that most people don't know about. He hops on the screen. He might play only well for two years, but he gives you something. So, like, they have this history where, if I remember correctly, they used to have this kid, Jordan Hicks, who's now, I think, in Arizona. They used to play in Texas. He, when he played in Philly, he was good. Uh, the kid that we signed that's on our gentry, he played well for a couple games. He was serviceable. And sometimes that's all you need. Mm-hmm. You don't need him to be great. You just need him not to mess it up. And then this kid, um, Edwards, he just seemed to be around the football all night long. And it was just, it's one of those things where I just felt like it's a Philly thing. It's a nose. Got to have a nose for the ball, baby. Yeah. Got to have a nose for the ball. And, you know, before we move on to our second topic and our final topic, let's just wrap this up, put it in a bow, because we can't talk about it anymore. It's in the can. Lessons learned in this game. What 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 lessons should they have learned after this loss? Twenty four to eight, you lose. You score a safety, a touchdown. You don't even get an extra point. You don't get a field goal. You get nothing. You lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir. No soup for you. Mm. Um, I think it starts at for me. I think it's I need Sadiq Charles to be healthy, or I need um, Spencer Larson who. I know he's on IR, but hopefully he can come back week five um, or week six because the center position is down a level because Schweitzer was all over the place with his snaps. And as a QB, um, when it comes to snaps, uh, you got to have the ball in a decent place every time. When you're bending down to pick up a snap and you're picking your eyes back up, you lose a second of whatever's Mm -hmm. going on down the field. I even shout out to my cousin Ert Willer. I always joke with him whenever I see a bad snap. I'm like, yo, if you got a couple snap stuff in your system, you need to go call go to Ashburn. But um it's a, it's a simple thing when it's a comfort level for a quarterback. Like if you know where the ball is gonna come out of that snap every time, it's easy as opposed to you having to guess. So that was one takeaway I had. Trey Turner. Trey Turner's done. I thought he was the worst offensive lineman last year in Pittsburgh, one of the worst I watched. And it doesn't help that my best friend is a Pittsburgh fan, and, like, he called him every name but his God-given under the sun when we watched the games. But Trey Turner, I thought he was done. I didn't think it was a smart move. Um, I thought trading him out for – essentially, he got traded out for Eric Flowers. I didn't I didn't like that because you knew you weren't signing Sheriff. I wasn't, mm-hmm. You can't pay a guard $19, million. It just doesn't make sense. Um, mathematically, here's a question. Um, Speaking of Eric Flowers, he's on the street. Are you calling him now? Two years ago, he was the best guard in the league, he was rated the best, but that was under Bill Callahan. Bill Callahan did something with him that I said, you know, when we signed him, I was like, he can't play tackle, he has to move inside the guard. You put him opposite of Rouye on the on the left side, you got Sheriff on the right, baby. We got ourselves a a, a O-line. Well, you got the, the great Morgan Moses. And I, who do we have at left? And at that time, we still had Trent. I was like, you know, we got ourselves probably the greatest offensive line in, in, in the world. So, um, 
last year, if I don't know how much you pay attention to Brian Baldinger's Baldinger's breakdowns, but Baldinger had um, Flowers and Leno in one of his breakdowns a couple times during the season last year. So I didn't understand. I didn't mind seeing Noel come in and play with other side, and then you have Leno. I mean, um, you have Flowers. So I didn't understand the move at the time, and I still don't kind of get it. I mean, because I'm a Shanahan fan, I understand that guards, you know, you feel like you can get guards anywhere. But I think right now our guards are killing us uh, mm. from a protection standpoint, and they have to do something. And I also think some of those plays, you can't always have Bates being one-on-one. There were a couple times last week Bates was one-on-one with the, the end, um, Brandon Graham fed him his lunch, but then he manhandled Hassan Reddick. So it's those type of things that you got to kind of watch and figure out your scheme. I would love to see him chipping and helping. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he can't be one-on-one. Um, speaking of offensive linemen, I love the fire. I seen come out of Sam Cosme. But Cosme, he's getting, he's having that speed power issue. Mm. If you pay attention towards the end, um, especially Brandon Graham, Brandon Graham was just alternating. He was just like, all right, I'm going to go through your chest this time. Next time I'll go around you. And he got one real good sack. Um, he played like a non-technique. He got a nice chop on the hands, got around the edge, and just got right to um, Wentz. That's one of the ones that wasn't on Wentz. That was just on the line, not, not holding up. Now, here, here's the thing that I learned. Now, you know I'm a Schweitzer guy. Schweitzer's one of my guys. You know, I, I love Wes Schweitzer. And him playing center, it seemed like they didn't practice enough together. It seemed like it was just – it seemed first snap. You you see him turning around. You see him looking. And, like, there's, it's like they're having a communication issue. Like, this should have been practice starting back in OTAs. You know, everybody that's available to play center, I need you to play center. I need you to play guard. Now, even though you normally play tackle, I need I need guys to move around and be versatile. So when it happens at any time during the season, it's natural. And but Schweitzer Mr. is a good center. He's a just, good center. But there's yeah. a difference between being a good center and a great center. Like center okay. playing center is not. Um, shout out to my guy Jay Gruden because he said it this week. He was like he got the most. He got nervous. Um, and the, and, the, and the situation was when his center went down because the center makes all the calls. And I know for us, um, Chase Rouye was making all the, the protection calls. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing you got to think about. So now if he's making all the protection calls and it's good, but Swites struggles in that area because he doesn't do it on a regular basis. So now you're doing that. And then you then it's maybe him and Carson. not So it's a thing of growth too. Like mm-hmm. sometimes – you had the greatest plan, like Mike Tyson said, until you get hit in the mouth. <laughs> so Swice might have been good, and then Jordan Davis coming down his chest, all three fifty-five of them, or Hargrave mm-hmm. or Fletcher Cox. You know, now you looking. You know, when you take your head down, looking through to see where the snap goes, and you look back up and ninety-one right there. You like, ooh, let me get this back a little bit quicker. You know, trying to steal some seconds. And what's crazy is you talk about centers. And I was thinking about Mike Webster today and I was thinking about him and, you know, all the great centers that we watch play. And I'm like, 
we know how important this is. You know how important, especially continuity. Why is it that Washington went into this game and it looked like, okay, yeah, the continuity was broke, but something should have been done to have a comfort zone like with with, with, with Chase Rouye or the way Bradshaw and Mike Webster were, the way um Dermani Dawson and, and, and Cordell Stewart. Yo, yo, hold on, hold on. Are you like – so like one of my boys just at, started watching Jeff Nail. He's the biggest – one of the biggest Pittsburgh fans I know. And now you're just dropping all this Pittsburgh stuff. You're killing me, man. Well, <laughs> I mean, when you when you want to talk about great centers, you know, you start in Pittsburgh because Mike Webster. Can you go to I Miami. Forget. Go to Miami. Uh, and give me Dwight Stevenson. Okay. All right. I mean, come on, man. I don't need all this. Uh, uh, I don't need all this saying. Pittsburgh pressure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, uh, Damani Dawson is one of my favorite. Him and Jeff Bosca are like my favorite centers. So. But um, but but all right. So stay there. So so you said Boston, like there was a drop off when Boston got hurt, and you had to go to Grum, or you had to go to McKenzie. It wasn't, it wasn't substantial, but there was a drop. But do you remember when Boston got benched? Right, and he was That's on long snapper, and they moved, they moved him over to they moved uh, Grim over to center. Right, that was what that was the eighty seven season. That was a strike shortened season. They brought in a guy. Yeah. To play guard that they had picked up that was one of the replacement players. Oh no, no, no. That team in 87, that guard is RC Tillman from the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, but the other now hold on. RC Tillman was a yeah, man. But RC Tillman used to give us problems whenever we played them, and they had William Andrews and company running and Gerald Riggs, yeah, running up and down the field on us. That's they was running behind RC Tillman. I, so I, I, then I got them back and then in 91, who's on the team? Yeah. Right. But okay, but no, so that's what, ha- what happened was Grim got uh, Grim moved over from guard to center and Boston got benched. Mm-hmm. The team struggled. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a real bad struggle, but it, the team struggled. Then when Grim got hurt, Boston came back in. He never gave up his starting spot again. Right. Now, Chase Rouye, most people in the fan base don't like Chase Rouye. Chase Rouye is a major cog. And I say all you got to do is you got Chase Rouye in the middle. We had the bookends. You know, when we had Trent and we had Morgan, both are gone. I still love him to death. Um, But then all you had to do was put guards next to him. You had three out of the five. Then at one point you had four out of five. Then you had three out of five again. It's like we can never sync up to have everything all at once. Yeah, I think also what hurt them was the way – um, the second round this year in the draft went. There was a kid out of Texas A&M. I think it's like Demarcus or Jamarcus Leal Neal, um, from Texas A&M that I thought they would have taken, but he went a little bit earlier than people expected. So then you end up having to do some shuffling. And I think also what hurt this team is for some reason they didn't believe in Tim Settle enough. And this is where I think the um the dis What's the word I want to use? There's a there's a gap, disparity between disparity. with Sam Mills Jr. and maybe Jack Del Rio, and maybe they didn't fight enough for certain guys. I think I not this would have been gone no matter what. I think and I disagree with that when it happened. Again, but I think that became a byproduct, and I think lazily we're saying it was because of the Wentz contract. But I think they were trying to do some other things in that in that time frame as well. 
the other thing I didn't understand with this team was when you go into the draft, um, my goal was I always had a running back in round three, had a linebacker in round in round four, either five. Uh, because if you look at a team like Jacksonville that we just played, Jacksonville loaded up with their linebackers. Um, they got rid of Miles Jack. They brought in Devin Lloyd, who was the kid that I thought we should have took in the first round. They went and got Chad Mamua or Mama um, from Wyoming. And like, if you watch, I, I keep telling people, Jacksonville's defense, when we get to week 10, week 11, it, you're not going to want to play Jacksonville. You're not going to want to play Jacksonville. So now let's take that transition. We've talked about this loss. And let's come to, let's come full circle because now it's Tuesday. We about to go into Wednesday. And what we did. And as fans, or not fans, but as you know, people watching the sport, we gotta now turn ourselves to our opponent on on Wednesday on Sunday. Mm. Ooh. Mm. So for me, I don't think I've it's been Dallas week in a long time. Like I've tried to manufacture it. Like 2012, I think that Thanksgiving, I think that was my the most excitement I had about a Dallas week. Maybe one of the see 2012 was also the year at the end of the season where we played Dallas to get in the playoffs. Rob Jackson's uh timely interception. Right. Um was there one with Kirk's year where we played Dallas for like a playoff berth, or was that somebody else? Was that 2016? I, that was uh, Kirk's. The year he got us to the promised land was 2015, I think. Was I, think there was a Dallas, I think there's a Dallas game in that stretch. But then after that, I mean, I don't know. I just – I don't believe in calling something a robbery when you ain't good. Like, if you <laughs> ain't there, you ain't – you're getting participation trophies. I mean, you can't really be anybody's rival. You can't be like, oh, Dallas want to see us. Dallas ain't worried about you. Dallas worried about Philly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, at this point, if Dallas has any kind of rival, it's Philly. And then maybe the Giants are next, but I'm not even counting that because the Giants are having their first winning season in, like, since, what, 2005? Something crazy like that? So It's something weird. Some weird number. So, like, yeah, I, I just – Dallas week used to mean something. I used to get hyped for it. You know, now it's just another week. It's another week in the calendar. Let, let me let me say this. And I'm 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 pulling this up now because I want to be able to have the 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 everything. I want to have it at my fingertips. This hasn't been a rivalry per se. Uh it wasn't a rivalry last season. We got blown out the first game, 56-21. The second one was a little closer. The year before that, 2020, we blew them out both games. Right, but that's the Ben DiNucci, yeah. Adam Dalton, Eddie, mm-hmm. Andy Dalton games. Yeah, and that, but that first game, that first game in Dallas, oh, I thought we couldn't play no better football than that. We played great football in 2020. Yeah. But it just, it just didn't translate. And I was like, well, we had a – Another more established quarterback, and don't get me wrong, I love Heineke. It's just we needed that veteran because he wasn't he hadn't come into his own. But What's this hasn't been a, was that Kyle Allen in 2020. 2020 was uh that was um that might have been Kyle was, Allen. Was that Kyle Allen or or um Alex? Oh depending on what game that is, that's one of them because in 2020, 
our quarterback crew was those three was Allen, um, Haneke, not Haneke, Allen, yeah, Haneke, because that and Alex Smith, and then Haneke didn't play into the playoffs. Haneke he played like play. one game late in the season, like Carolina. He came in and played against. And yeah, after that he didn't play again until the Tampa game. Tampa Bay, yeah. So who did? But either yeah, way, I feel exactly, like exactly. Like, like, look, we'd have had so many quarterbacks in the last three years alone. So, but um, I think, I think the number is nine. I think no, no, ten. I think it's ten different starting quarterbacks at any point during the season. And then I think this is the fifth year that they open the season with a new starting quarterback. Bruh. <laughs> Looking at this, this hasn't been a rivalry. I don't think this has been a true rivalry since the 80s. I mean, you had... No, I, think, I think in the 90s you had a little bit, and then when North was there, like through like about 2000, uh, like it, the early 2000s, I think it was still there because that game... I want to say it's 05. It's Vanderjack lining up for the field goal at um FedEx. Because I know this is this has got to be 2005. Because this is the I think this is the last time I was in FedEx on a regular basis. They line up for the kick. Troy Vincent comes through, blocks the kick. Sean picks it up. That was 2006. That's 2006. Okay. So the face mask happens. Boom. Run down the field. Um, you get the 15 yards, you get Nick Novak to line up for the field goal. Nick Novak made that the most interesting 40 plus yard field goal in the life in the history of the world. But the second it went through, I remember looking at my dad and was like, Yo, it's gonna be a whole lot of babies being made today off after this game <laughs> because that stadium that was the loudest I've ever heard FedEx. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say since then. The, my guess would be the loudest would be that Robert run against the Vikings. But let me not get sidetracked. Here's the thing. We we, we can look back at this rivalry and, uh, you know, this is a lopsided rivalry. You know, yeah, but- uh, it's lopsided. And the Cowboys are, are well in the lead. But now when you have both teams as the upper echelon. And then we're be- better. Right, because you, 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 growing up in this area, and I tell people this all the time you either love Washington or you love Dallas. Right. There is no in between. Now, most of the youngsters that love Dallas because they, they were born in the late 80s and they grew up in the night, that's because you saw Dallas winning. You're not a real Dallas fan. The furthest you've been is, is, is Texas State, uh, Texas uh, uh, Avenue. Stop it. Well, that's that's let's let's you got to give the narrative some credence because there are some guys that also acknowledge the fact that the Washington football team, the Washington Redskins, the Washington Commanders, the Washington print symbols, um, all of their names that we have in tag, um, they were one of the last teams to actually have a black ball player mm-hmm. on their team. So so some of these guys coming up, I, I, I've had conversations with guys and their dads, you know, impress that upon them so that's also fighting like that's part of washington battling itself in its own right and then now the fact that they're losing and they can't get right um that's another issue so washington's gonna have a situation where between the 35 name changes the fact that they haven't been really winning 
the scandals, like you're losing fans at a um at a rate that you can't really recover. You're gonna end up being like the Chargers, where you you're gonna have some of your diehards that only stick around, but outside of them, like where's that next generation coming from? Because you're not giving them anything to, to lean on. And that brings me to my next point. And I said, is it even Dallas week? I used to get hyped up. And just a couple years ago, I was really hyped for Dallas week. And, you know, I want to say that was that had to be 20. Let me look this up. It's 20. 2012, of course, I was hyped up for that. Um, 2018. I was hyped up for that that uh that game that was at, at at FedEx. That was one we won that by a field goal. Okay. I was hyped up for that. Of course, the 2020, and I was hyped up for those. Last year I didn't even get ginned up for this. And I get ginned up for, for, for Cowboys games always. But you talk about losing the fan base, and I try to explain this to the younger ones in the fan base. Y'all are okay with this. I'm saying people, man, fuck the Redskins. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. Okay, you got to understand. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. There's going to be peaks. There's going to be valleys. For 40 years, almost 41 years, I've watched this team. I've watched this team go 10 and 6, 14 and 2. I've watched this team be rated the best, greatest Super Bowl winning team of all time. I've watched that. I've lived through that. You're coming in on the back half on those lean years, and it's been 30 years of lean years. We'd have had some high notes. But you're 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 telling me you don't want to be a fan anymore because of mediocrity, and you've only been a fan for two, three years. <laughs> Try being a fan for 40 plus years, and you're not used so, to mediocrity. You grew up with winning. So 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 think about this. Like, I think Washington. Benefited the most from being Washington in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the 20 years, so I'm born in 76. So I remember stories that my dad used to tell me. There's two people that my dad will always tell me about. It's Sonny Jerkinson for the Redskins, and it's downtown Freddie Brown for Seattle. They, they will live in infamy in my life whenever I have any conversation with people. But to get back to my point, it's Washington for a while just – they they were like the Cubs. They were lovable losers. Like Sonny would entertain you for for three quarters, four quarters. You go home and lose, but you you had a good game. You had an interesting ball game. And then you had the Jack Party years, and then all of a sudden you get Joe Gibbs, and Joe Jackson Gibbs push you on the limelight, push you in the center of folk. You're you're now one of the most prestigious franchises because of the way you operated, the way you did things. You, you there was no scandals. Well, there were scandals, but. They weren't coming out because the D.C. police wasn't letting you announce that John Regan's got arrested or Sonny Jurgensen got arrested. You know, those things weren't happening. So now we get to a point where Dan Snyder takes over. And even him taking over was just was was weird because they waited so long that it they struggled to sign free agents that year. And I think that was 99. Mm-hmm. So Trent Green, who would have or should have could have would have been our quarterback. Leaves because he's like, I don't want to trust the instability. I don't know what's coming up next. So then you end up with the Brad Johnson, the George, and all that stuff. But I say all of that to say, like, this franchise has had his had like lean years and then this great middle passage. And then now we're in a 30 year stretch of just, 
I don't know. <laughs> but 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 now you know people are we're so social media has made us so instant gratification mm-hmm. that we don't you don't figure out oh I gotta I gotta stick through this. It's oh man Snyder did this again. I don't want to get Snyder my money or it's um this team can't get right so I want to root for I'm gonna go root for Baltimore or I'm gonna go root for Kansas City or mm-hmm. I'm gonna go root for um Saint the the Rams. I'm I'm gonna be a Rams fan all of a sudden. So now it's, it's like it's like now fandom is so fandom is loose. You know what I'm saying? It's no it's no dedication to who you love. So so now you can just go and be a fan of whomever. Mm-hmm. Like I joke with people because well that's a whole other story. So but yeah, it's just fandom is just different now than what we were brought up on. You know, and I always laugh at fans because they were like, "Oh, you never been to Texas." Well, that's an old mantra now. You know what I'm saying? We don't root for the team that was in our city because you got instead of you just having four, five, seven, and nine, and the only time you saw a team play football was your team. Now you're watching slates of games with teams. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I, I always say this with Maryland. Like I always feel like Maryland University biggest flaw was they never had a thing where we always saw Maryland on TV. So Maryland never got a chance to have a fan base that was all about Maryland because. I was watching Notre Dame. I was watching Nebraska, Oklahoma, and all that stuff. So, and it's funny you say that because I grew up watching Georgetown play right. all the time. And they, and if you old enough and you from the area, they used to play at night during the week. That right. was the only basketball that was on. I didn't have cable, so you watch that on regular TV. You know, you watched Alonzo Morning and the Kimbe Matumbo. That's what made me fall in love with Georgetown. But then it just got to the point I was like, I love Georgetown, but I just I, and I bounced from team to team in basketball. You know, I used to bounce from team. I went one year I was a UCLA fan, and then I was a, a UMass fan. Yeah, the year they won the uh, Final Four. Yeah. Um, of course, I, but that was because I was, and then when but the Fab Five came in, I was a huge Fab Five fan because they were always on TV. That's a that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, because we not you you you're not gonna say nothing about that. My mother keeps laughing about that, and and, and she keeps laughing about the whole T-shirt thing. I just want to let you know that. What I just love your mother because she has great taste. I mean, what kind of parent wouldn't want their child to walk around with a championship T-shirt on? I mean, uh, you're crying. If you're crying about Michigan losing, maybe if I give you a North Carolina Donald Williams shirt, I can I can hear your tears. You know what I'm saying? Moving right along, <laughs> moving right along. But it, 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 that that fandom, it's not the same. And you hit the nail on the head when you said everybody wants to win now. Right. Nobody wants to go through the process of building. And the thing is, BJ said it. He said it's like a DC thing. You you start building, and then all of a sudden you think you at a point, and then somebody in your division they leapfrog you because they build a little bit better. And it seems like we always shoot ourselves in the foot. When it comes so, to building. So I think, so this is a great, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because um, our local radio guys, whether it's Pete Matterhurst and Chris Russell or um, Danny Ruye and um, Brant Paulson, they kind of brought this topic up and they were like, are we the fourth best team in the division after watching the Giants the, the last couple of days or last night? And I don't think the Giants are ahead of us in the rebuild. I think 
the difference is the Giants took advantage of their first two games much better than we did. They got the 2-0 that we were supposed to get. Because if you watch the Carolina game, Carolina just shot themselves in the foot. And that's the only reason they don't beat the Giants in week two. Um, Carolina just couldn't stop Carolina. Ing, or whatever you call it. It's just like Detroit um, on Sunday. I, I just said Detroit just lost the most Detroit ball game you could ever see. Detroit should have never lost to Minnesota. Detroit's, Detroit's better than Minnesota. I don't care what they say. Mm. I seen it. I seen it up close. I wa- I watched. I mean, I got red zone. I'm watching the game. And it's just like Detroit just kept shooting themselves in the foot. So, um, but getting back to the Commanders or the, it's like we have an issue, and I keep saying this, and I'm gonna say this so I'm blue in the face. When I watch other teams, they have a type. Like right now, if somebody said to you right now, "Hey, like that girl's pretty." You got a type. Like, if she fits in that type, boom, you're good to go. That's you. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, when we pick players, we don't have this type. And I and I, and I I I get jealous of Pittsburgh um, because they have a type. Like, they don't care if you're the perfect prospect, but if you can rush the passer, we're going to let you just rush the passer and, like, you just be the best pass rusher you can be. And you get that from Greg Lloyd. You get that from James Harrison. You get that from the kid number 56 that's rushing the passer for him now. You get that from T.J. Watt. So it's proof in the pudding. And it's like when I think of Washington and I sit down, and even over the last 30 years, outside of like Sean Taylor, Santana Moss, Clinton Portis, of course, last of our name we didn't draft. But there aren't guys, and I'll give LeVar Arrington some credence here, but there aren't guys that I'm like, ooh, that's yeah, that guy right there. That's 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 a player. Like even Ryan Kerrigan, I just called him Captain Tryhard. Like he give you the most effort sacks in the world, and he'll get you eleven. But that eleven just would be eleven regular sacks. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They sometimes they did impact the game, but they didn't always. And it was just like he was never that force. Like I never felt like. Teams had to go out their way. I know I'm hurting your feelings right now, but I know I felt like teams didn't just have to go out their way to stop Ryan. And maybe that's because the guy on the other side wasn't electric either, you know. And then when your best defensive lineman comes from Hampton, like I always tell you, it's just it's just certain things I just can't deal with. I'm gonna say this with Ryan Kerrigan and Professor Lucky and myself, we've had endless conversations about this. And he brought up a point, and I had to go look it up. I said, damn, he's right. Ryan Kerr going to give you double-digit sacks. But if he give you 13, seven out of those 13 came against the New York Giants. His Ooh, interception yeah. for a touchdown came against the Giants. He used to terrorize uh, Eli Manning. That, yeah. Truth is truth. And Lucky was always right with that, and I, I give him credit for that. And you talk about guys that aren't. LeVar Arrington's biggest problem here, they tried to play him out of position. So, again, this is this is my Jamin Davis point. When you look at a guy, the guy, he frosts at the mouth, he ready just to go get it, you don't tell him to think. <laughs> you don't – tell me a time you told a German Shepherd, hey, I know he attacked, dog, but I need you to wait before you attack. You don't mm-hmm. do that. You just tell him sick. Exactly. And, and that's that's the problem this team has had when it comes to talent evaluation. Even with Wilbur Marshall. Wilbur Marshall was his worst years were the years he was here. 
When he was with the Bears, he was killing it. But we tried yeah. to make him fit with J- with Pettibone and whatever he was doing. And he didn't always let – he let Wilbur go. But there still was kind of like that little bit of a leash on him. You know, so Wilbur wasn't true Wilbur, but he had his moments because he was Wilbur. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that was the problem that I always had with this franchise. is like you get dogs, but you can't make them be puppies. Like you got to let the dog go. Big dog – I always say this: Big dog gotta eat, and you gotta let the big dog eat. Now, let me ask you this, and we'll we'll end it here. Okay. Is Dallas Week dead? Yes. Is it dead and thinking, or is it dead and can be resurrected? No, 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 no. no. So, so what's going to have to happen for this to get resurrected is it's not going to be three days in the tomb. And then, you know, the rock gets moved out. It ain't that type of resurrection that's going to happen. It's going to have to be a situation where these teams play each other for something meaningful. So when we 10, 12 come along and we're fighting for, like, trying to get the higher seed in the, in the playoffs, that's when this rivalry comes back. That's going to be the CPR to bring this back to life. It can't be, oh, we 4 and 10 and they 11 and 5 or, or vice versa. And that's how to rock. No, it's not going to resuscitate this rivalry that way. This has to be back in the 80s when when Gary Hogaboom was dropping back and Dexter Manley gives him the concussion and Daryl Grant runs the ball into the end zone. It's got to be that situation. And that's the only way this comes back to life in any shape, form, or fashion. So, so Deron Payne has to either take out Cooper Rush and we get on a run or whatever. That's it, man. That's the only way this 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 becomes a, a robbery again, in my yeah. Because it's been a couple of years since we played for anything meaningful, and one th- stat that I always like to bring up: Dallas has never beat us for anything significant in the playoffs, and I always like to hold that over Dallas Cowboy fan heads. But like I said on the Sunday rise, Dallas will win their game against the Giants last night, and they did it handily. Uh, so so real quick. Dallas's defense. Mm. They had 12, I'm gonna say 12 hurries, six sacks. So a team that's coming off of giving up nine sacks. What do we do? And I know this is premature, and maybe we put a pin in this and mm. we put this on blast, like our number one topic for Sunday morning. Sunday, Sunday morning. Yep. But like that's the question we gotta ask ourselves going into Sunday morning. Like, what do we do different? To stop nine sacks from happening, to stop, I think Detroit had six, mm-hmm. 87. What do you How do? You stop this brigade, this 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 flood of sacks from happening. How do you stop MPP? Because that's a problem. The Micah Parsons problem is what it is. How do you stop that? Like nobody has found the answer for that. And that I so all right. That dude got a motor, man. I'm a he nerd out a little bit. Motor. I'm a nerd out a little bit here. So Dallas has one of the most, most underrated lines. But, again, Dallas has a tight, explosive guys. So you got Michael Parsons on one side. You got Lawrence either on the same side or on the other side, depending on how you do it. You got Dorrance Armstrong, who was the high school number one player um, of the year, but somehow he decided to go to Kansas. I guess his he didn't get enough money from everywhere else to go somewhere of relevance. Um then you have a kid. I think his name is. I think the kid is Sam Mitchell, but I'm. I'm. I don't know. It's Sam Williams. 
that they drafted in like the second round. And Baldy did a breakdown on him. So when you get a chance and you look at, there's a preseason breakdown on this kid. This kid is an animal. And, like, he's explosive. He's got all the quick twitch tools. And when I watch that, I have nightmares. Like, I don't understand. Like, I feel sorry for Carson Wentz. Like, I think, honestly, this week they might want to put Sam Howell in his jersey just in case because we might need to go to three QBs. I agree. I'm not even gonna say nothing, but I just I, I'm just gonna say I agree. Yeah, I I just I, I don't know how this team protects in this right now, and maybe this is just you know I haven't gotten to my see tomorrow's Wednesday, so Wednesday I go from being reactionary to being more philosophical. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like I'm, I'm like the team, you know, we, we you buried the the, the 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 last week and then we start look, uh, new and going looking forward. So tomorrow mm-hmm. I might have a better outlook. But we don't do no show tomorrow, so we good. So you're getting all the reactionary. Well, that's all our time because we don't we don't do no show tomorrow. We ain't coming back to Thursday. Break down that Thursday night game, uh, Bengals versus um, the Dolphins. And I've really got a question. I'm gonna mm-hmm. have a question about Tua, and should he have been allowed back in that game Sunday? That'll come up on Thursday. So please, please, please tune in for that because I, I want to hear what everybody got to say. So, along with not doing no show on Wednesday, that's the Midnight Ride. I'm the big guy, KG. We don't do no overtime. We are out of here.